morning to you. The weekend up and rolling, and it's time for another edition of Hong Kong Heritage with Anna-Marie Evans. Hello and welcome to this week's Hong Kong Heritage, the first of four programmes throughout June, marking the 95th anniversary of RTHK. Throughout the month, I'll be looking back at some of the old recordings, both in the studio and outdoor broadcasts, out in the streets or in vessels in the harbour of Hong Kong. In past decades, some of those recordings outside would have been simply phoned in to the studio, but for those out and about doing features, there would have been plenty of kit to carry, including the old Ewer reel-to-reel tape recorders for the reporters of the day. I'll also be looking at some of the personalities behind the microphone over the decades, including Aileen Wood. Well, we left England in 1911, coronation year of uh, King George V and Queen Mary. And of course, Uncle Ray, Ray Cadero. My favourite big band leader has been and always will be Artie Shaw. This week, I venture into the technical side of things with a field trip with the head of engineering at RTHK, C.W. Lang, to an FM transmitter station on the top of Mount Gough. But to start off, I'm going to go to some technology from over 100 years ago. So this is the introduction to how radio started around the beginning of the 20th century. corner from where I'm sitting in the studios at Broadcasting House is Marconi Road, named after an Italian inventor, Guglielmo Marconi, who, with his butler in the late 19th century, turned many experiments being conducted by physicists around the world into wireless signals, building on the work of the German inventor Heinrich Hertz. He continued to demonstrate in the UK and then America, transmitting his technology from ship's masts to get the height. Meanwhile, in Brazil, Catholic priest Father Roberto Landel de Maura had been developing long-distance audio transmissions using a megaphone device, a photophone using light beams and radio signals. It was reported in June 1899 that he had successfully transmitted audio over a distance of seven kilometres. And it may have sounded something like this. Transmitindo de São Paulo na minha experiência em telefonia sem fio. Espero transmitir até uma distância de 7 quilômetros. Well, actually, I cheated there. It was more likely a few bleeps. The actual first human voice to be transmitted is not until 1906, and that was Canadian inventor Reginald Fessenden, who made the first radio audio broadcast from Brant Rock in Massachusetts. Ships at Sea heard a broadcast that included Mr Fessenden playing the violin and reading from the Bible. Marconi's equipment would be used on early ships and for the Titanic's distress signal in 1912. In Hong Kong, the newspapers start reporting on local amateur interest in radio technology from the start of the 1920s. There's also the opposition from some newspapers and wire agencies around the world to this new threat to their revenue. 
But in Hong Kong, there's discussion of creating a new radio club, as reported in the Hong Kong Telegraph in 1923. But it was all rather serious. There was no fun to be had. Radio club, city hall meeting, broadcasting in Hong Kong. At the City Hall last evening, there was a representative gathering present at a meeting convened by the Hong Kong Telegraph to consider the feasibility of forming a Hong Kong radio club. The chair was taken by Mr A. Hicks, editor of the Telegraph. In the course of his opening speech, the chairman said, The object of this meeting, as you are all aware, is to consider the availability of forming a radio club for Hong Kong. And I think you will agree, gentlemen, that the attendance at this meeting provides ample evidence of the widespread interest which is being taken in the subject. If you should decide to start a club here, I should like to express the hope that it will concentrate its activities on research and experimental work, rather than on what might be termed the amusing side of radio. And we can't be having that. We have a lot to thank Hong Kong music and culture historian Oliver Chow for, as he has really researched early radio here, so ZBW, as RTHK was known, but also the beginnings of rediffusion and other channels. Here... He talks about ZBW's opening concert. When ZBW was founded, there was an opening concert, and one of the musicians was John Braga. Well, the violinist John Braga actually is from the Braga family, and when we look at the map in Hong Kong these days, there was a very interesting exclusive area in Mong Kok, Skadori Hill, and there was a Braga circuit there, and there was part of the Braga family. And John Braga was a violinist, and his sister, Caroline Braga, was a pianist. And they also had a brother by the name Tony Braga. Tony Braga actually was a major culture person in Hong Kong. He founded the Sino-British Society after the war, and it was that society that slowly evolved to be what it is now the Hong Kong Philharmonic Orchestra. So Tony Braga and the Braga family was very important. Uh, in the early years. In 1928, when the radio station was launched, it was John Braga who performed the violin at that launch ceremony. Unfortunately, no pre-war recordings have survived and much of it wouldn't have been recorded and saved after it was broadcast. It would be just broadcast live. Saving recordings in those days meant large reel-to-reels, so I'm grateful for what has been saved in the library. The following broadcast was actually done by previous colleagues of mine in RTHK as a reenactment of how the first news broadcast may have sounded in June 1928. ZBW Hong Kong, broadcasting on 355 metres, 845 kilocycles, in the medium wave band. Here is the news for today, Friday, the 30th of June, 1928. In America, the severe economic depression continues and the federal government is proposing far-reaching projects to combat the recession in industry and trade. Speaking into a golden microphone today, King George V inaugurated a radio link... So that's a bit of a look at early radio. A few days ago, I headed out in an RTHK van with the head engineer at RTHK, Lung Chiwa, and his colleague, C.K. Chu a telecommunications engineer at RTHK, to go up to the top of Mount Gough, which is near Victoria Peak, and has an FM transmitter. Joining me was broadcaster Carolyn Wright, who also used to be a studio manager at the BBC in London and is a self-described radio nerd. Here's C.W. Lang. 
My name is C.W. Leung. I'm the head of engineering in RTHK. And I work in RTHK for around 10 years. And where are we off to today? We are heading to Mangolf, one of the main station, radio station. It takes care of the FM uh, transmitting. And also uh, from Mangolf, we can relay the signal to other uh, hilltop sites. Yeah. So in order to have radio, we need high mountains? Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> Mangolf, because it's, it was located in the central area of the Hong Kong territory, it can uh, have visibility to the Hong Kong island, the north side of Hong Kong island, plus the south side of the Kowloon. Yeah, so uh, it would be a very good uh, main FM station in Hong Kong, yeah. So when you want a good, decent radio transmission, what's involved in that? You know, when you're on the top of the mountain, you need a line of sight. Yeah, exactly. The location must be high enough to have uh, large coverage uh, in terms of the urban area. Yeah. Why we chose uh, Mount Gulf? Because uh, it has a coverage of around 50% population in Hong Kong. Because... Uh, Hong Kong uh, urban area is all located around Hong Kong Island and Kowloon Peninsula. Yeah, because where is Mount Gulf? I was looking on the map, but is it, is it near Victoria Peak? It's uh, near Victoria Peak, but not exactly. It's um, in the lower side, but it, it would be towards uh, more on the uh, Causeway Bay side. So it have uh, coverage for Causeway Bay, Wan Chai, Happy Valley, yeah, etc. So we chose that one because it have more uh, population coverage. Rather, rather than in VP, Victoria Peak, it may be have a limited uh, coverage there. If you've heard that the sound is different, we're actually going under the Hong Kong Harbour at the moment, <laughs> so on our way. So I'm enjoying this RTHK field trip. So as, as head engineer, when we go up, I mean, do radio engineers have to be good walkers or we do do we ah, go the whole yeah, way? Exactly, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Because uh, Mangolf is a quite a convenient place. We have a vehicle access to directly to the Mangolf. But in other hilltop sites like the Kowloon Peak, like the Castle Peak, you need to walk for around 45 to one hour, yeah, 45 minutes to one hour, yeah. So RTHK keeps you fit? Yeah, um, hope so, yeah. How long have these transmitter stations been there? I mean, obviously, RTHK as ZBW goes back to 1928. Do you know how old some of these transmitter stations are? It ranged from early 1960 to some quite uh, younger one, like 1980. But most of them over 50 years. To create radio, you know, to transmit, what's involved? Can you tell me a bit about the engineering? First of all, uh, we need to feed our signal from our broadcasting center, uh, which is located in Broadcast Drive, uh, feed the signal to the hilltop site via the microwave, traditionally via the microwave, the wireless one. But now we can use the optical fiber to transmit our signal from our broadcasting center to the hilltop site. Usually we transmit the signal to our main hilltop site like the Mangolf for FM. From there, we can use the microwave to transmit, to relay this signal to other hilltop sites like the Kowloon Peak, like the Castle Peak, like the Lemma Island. So total, we can cover uh, 99% of uh, Hong Kong population. Now, a number of people obviously listen these days online to radio, but I know that there used to be, and probably still are, some complaints about with AM that sometimes people lose the transmission. Uh, is, is Hong Kong a, a disadvantage because of all the high-rises? Exactly, because a lot of high-rises that cause uh, some interference and some blocking on the line of sight. 
Uh, for FM transmission, it's better. It's better to get around this obstacle. But for AM, because of the nature of the transmission, it can be easily interfered by the building, by some electrical appliances, etc. So um, sometimes it can cover that area, but it's not good quality. So we need to resort to the uh, to our new media like the you know, food apps or food website to listen to the radio. With earlier times, with with radio. How did you create, you know, you were saying about microwave, how do you create a radio signal? So if I wanted to just communicate from here to there. Mm. Okay, it's, um, microwave is uh, a kind of uh, electromagnetic uh, wave. Yeah, just like uh, the, the light, uh, the, the sunlight is also a kind of uh, electromagnetic wave. But for radio, it's another one. Uh, of different frequency, it's a lower frequency. So um, we need to have some kind of uh, vibration that cause um, to generate a wave and then uh, get across the, uh, the atmosphere. Yeah, um, different kind of frequency would have different characteristics. Like the AM is of a lower frequency, so it can transmit a longer uh, distance. It, it can even uh, reflect from the from our ionosphere, yeah, from very high up the sky. We can, from what we call the sky wave, we can. So that means it can transmit for a, a much larger distance. But disadvantage is that it will be easily interfered by other uh, sources like uh, the um, building, like the uh, electrical appliances, etc. But for FM, it's of a much higher frequency. It can get around of the interference problem. Yeah, but the disadvantage is a, is a shorter distance. Mm. So we need to have a lot of FM radio station across the territory so that uh, we can cover the, the same area. So in FM transmission, we have totally six, six main stations plus one fill-in station. But for AM, we just have just one or two uh, main stations to cover the Hong Kong area. So I'm having a chat with C.W. Leung, the head engineer at RTHK, as we head up to Mount Gough. We've also got on board Carolyn Wright, who you can hear sometimes eating biscuits on a Sunday morning. But also, Carolyn, you were a BBC, BBC floor manager. Uh, I was um, a studio manager at the right. World Service. So when I started my career in radio, I was working at bush house and obviously i remember that some of my colleagues at bbc world service either came out here to hong kong to work on things like the world service relay here or, or were doing programs in cantonese so uh, yeah i had a great time working there and i ended up living in hong kong and i am a little bit of a radio nerd <laughs> well it's interesting isn't it because i mean when i first started working on hong kong heritage in the late 90s i was using a system that i loved and that was a DAT recorder and it was digital audio tapes and they were quite small. I still have a whole filing cabinet drawer that I need to clear out of these DAT tapes. So reliable, sound was fantastic. And I think also the old reel-to-reels were pretty amazing. You see, you might think, uh, I only started my career in radio at uh, the very, very tail end of the uh, 1990s, just before 2000. And the BBC at that time was still using reel-to-reels at World Service for really? all of their shows. So wow. all of the, the news programmes, all of the feature programmes, everything was recorded and edited on reel-to-reel tape. So first thing I did when I went was, was being taught how to be a sound engineer for them was to learn how to record and edit using reel-to-reel tape. So and you I, actually cut and stuck together tape? Yes, I did. 
Yes, I did. Every day for, for, for a good few years because um, they were totally reliable and it was such a big operation for um, the World Service to get a digital playout system that could cope with what they did that, that it was years after many people were well used to using digital editors and things like that that we finally finally got one and they, they got rid of the tapes. Well, tell me about tape editing. I mean, particularly when you when you're in a rush, when you're going ahead of a programme. I mean, I can think of it in feature when you've got a bit of yeah. time and leisure. It, it, it can be one of the most petrifying experiences you'll ever have. If you realise that that bit of tape that you've just trodden on on the floor <laughs> is the bit that you actually needed to keep. Yeah, it's quite disheartening. So it can be quite stressful, but actually I feel if you learn to edit on a reel-to-reel -reel tape, you can learn so much more about the the very sort of nature of editing so it sounds natural so you know if you keep the first breath that someone takes yeah. that's the breath they intended rather than when they retake and and things like that and don't take out all of the ums and ahs because you start sounding like a, a bit of a robot to be honest if you don't actually ever occasionally stop to think and, and collect your thoughts and, and make one of those kind of noises so it was always very interesting to learn what you should keep and what you shouldn't keep so that first inhalation mm, yes once out of the van, we went up some steep steps, and then you enter a series of about three narrow rooms filled with units with wires and power and volume dials. Here's C.K. Chu, a telecommunications engineer at RTHK, telling us about the system. This room, this is the transmitter of our FM standard. We have four FM channels, Radio 1, Radio 2, Radio 4 and Radio 7. They are this, the, all the transmitters are located in this room. And then we will combine all the FM signal in five. Through this compiler, this is the compiler, and then transmit, further transmit to the uh, broadcast antenna outside. So what are we looking at here? This part is the transmitter of Metro Radio. They have two. So you look after Metro, RTHK, commercial radio. Yes, we co use with other two FM broadcasters. Their transmitters are all located in, in this main station. We will combine the XFM channel in Hong Kong, in this station, and we will combine all the signal together and then transmit through a common FM antenna. What's making all the noise? The fan! <laughs> transmitter the fan! The fan. Yes. Right. Because there is no air conditioning, so we have to turn the fan to keep the fan on. So I'm looking at lots of dials, wires. Can you explain some of it to me? This is the old stuff here. I'm not familiar oh, with so the metal. Yes, this is the metal radio. Yes, too old. Yes, too old. For RTHK equipment, we have set up the air conditioners. So this is the modem, and we have to replace all the transmitter uh, with some uh, with some new equipment. This set of equipment is Radio Seven transmitter. So do you have lots of backups? Yes, we have main and backup. Uh, the upper part is the main transmitter and the lower part is the backup part. This is identical. So is this different radio stations at RTHK going out? What am I looking at here? Radio 7. Our new FM channel. Now uh, we, uh, we go outside the um, radio equipment room. We are heading to the um, radio antenna so that we can have a look at uh, how the signal can 
transmit across the atmosphere to other to reach other area of Hong Kong. Okay, we can walk. Uh, so it's a bit of a missing yeah. day. This direction. <laughs> can you give me a bit of the tourist bit? What, what are we oh, actually yeah, looking at? Yeah, <laughs> um, near the top of uh, Hong Kong, the Victoria Peak, near, near the peak, we are at the Mangolf area. Just next to the Victoria Peak, we have a very good view on the Wan Chai, yes. uh, Causeway Bay, and also part of the Happy Valley, Taihang yeah, area. So you can imagine, uh, our signal can cover all this urban area, uh, plus the residential area. So uh, that's why we chose uh, Mount Golf as our main FM station. We also have visibility uh, to the Kowloon side. Yeah. So it's the rooftop of our broadcasting house. We walk uh, maybe two stories high, so go to our antenna tower, where we mount our antenna for the FM uh, transmission. Yeah. Our signal from the equipment room uh, will have some uh, very um, big coaxial, uh, what we call the feeder, the coaxial feeder, the cable bring the signal to the antenna tower. So, wow, we're yeah. now standing at the top. So it's all made out of steel, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're looking at the top. Yeah, it's the face of the antenna tower here. And the tower go around, I think. So how many feet would you say that goes up? 20, 20 meters? Yeah, what would you guesstimate? <laughs> About 20. 20. And if you want to go up and fix it? Yeah, yeah, we can climb up. There's a... The cat ladder, what we call yeah, it. Yeah, a cat ladder, is it called? <laughs> and for fairly, fairly agile engineers up at the top here. This is the feeder cable. We will send the signal through the this feeder cable to the antenna and then broadcast, broadcast out. In the middle one, you can can you see the star? There's some some star -like, uh, some antenna look like a star, right? That is FM antenna. Oh, okay. In the middle of it, you've got a circular metal structure with a what's called a cat ladder in between going right up to the top I wouldn't fancy that job in a million years and around us also the whole structure of this so metal going up of this transmitter tower with as described these star antennae for FM so this is my first time up here and what are these big circular structures here this two is from uh, for microwave antenna this so is what does it do? Attract the microwaves in? This is owned by police station. Oh. The police force. This is not ours. Right. They will um, send the signals just for communication. Oh, so this is police radio as well? Yes. yes. Can we tune in? <laughs> no. I've got a key. He's long since gone. But um, Tommy Lewis, when I used to work at the South China Morning Post, Tommy Lewis could absolutely tune into the police radio so that the South China Morning Post could get the scoop. But back at the tower, we're at the transmission tower here on the top of Mount Gough. Fortunately, the thunder and the rain from this morning is holding off. We're looking over a misty Hong Kong. Great harbour view, actually. Really quite a circular view going round over the business district. So to CW Lung, the head engineer at RTHK, CK Chu, telecommunications engineer at RTHK, thank you so much for your time today. This was really quite an interesting experience after all of these years working in radio, finally seeing how it's transmitted. So thanks very much for bringing us up to Mount Gough today. You're welcome. Yeah, it's our pleasure. So back in the van from Mount Gough 
to broadcast drive, where Carolyn Wright showed me how to use an old reel-to-reel. So we're standing by a Revox PR99 reel-to-reel tape machine. That is one of the most common editing machines that you see in all sorts of broadcasting establishments when they used the tapes. Used it all over the BBC. Obviously, this is a, an old vintage piece here in the RTHK library. And yeah, I've used these tons to edit. <laughs> so I've got a spool of tape here and I'm going to put it onto the machine. So what I would do is I would put it down here and then I would lock it into place so that it can't slip out. And then you put the tape past the heads here and then you've got your take up reel on this far side and you would put the, the lead tape here. So this is the tape that is just put at the end so it, it doesn't matter that it gets ruined and you put it on there and you wind it on until it's got at least one reel around it so you can do that and then you can just press and off it goes and off it goes that's how you would lace up the tape to play it out and then here you can see on the tape machine we've got a bit of audio there on this tape and I think it's going too fast <laughs> I like it at that speed. Do you? <laughs> well, that's definitely the wrong speed. So I think I think that's definitely out. So you can see on this tape, if we uh, wind it back, there are some edits that have been made on it. You could edit this tape if you were going to do, do editing on it. You would use this splicing block here. So what you would do is you would find the place that you need by scrolling the tape past the heads. Let me just get it on a bit as I would be pulling it back and two, and then that's where you would find the point that you need to edit. And what you would do is you get a special pencil called a Chinagraph pencil, and you would mark exactly at the middle of the playhead there that that's the point where you need to do the edit. You would then grab the bit of tape and you would put it onto this splicing block here. There's a little line that you've just put it nice and flat, and then you get a razor blade, an old fashioned razor blade, a safety blade, and you would slice the tape there. Then you would find the next bit where you need to edit that you're taking out the, you know, the fluff where someone stumbled and they needed to do a retake. You'd find the next piece and then you would put that in the block and you would slice there and then you would push the two pieces together and you would have some special tape that you would use to splice the tape together and that you would use it to line up across this block so that you would get it nice and neat so it wouldn't get sticky and it wouldn't get caught on the the reels or anywhere else on the machine when you were doing it so what's this machine called apart from being a reel-to-reel -reel recorder so what the the actual model number this is a, a revox pr99 <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Revox and a company called Studa were two of the most common uh, manufacturers of reel-to-reel -reel machines that broadcasters would use. In terms of this, did it did it take you ages, or do you did you get really fast at it? The, you could get really fast at doing it. The more you practiced it, the quicker you would get at knowing exactly where to find the edit on there. And these machines are, are very fast in terms of fast forward and rewind, and, and being able to push the the tape against the heads so that you can hear it as it's going past. So nowadays you might have an option on your digital software to play at double speed, for example, and you'd use that to quickly find, because you can tell the words that people are saying still, even if it sounds a bit like, you know, a cartoon character that's on helium. <laughs> but you, you would quickly find the edit points that way. Take me through the knobs. Take you through the knobs. Well, there is, I mean, these are 
pretty simple. You've got a, a, a speed selector here. So most of the time you would use either seven and a half inches per second. So that's how much tape goes past the head or 15 inches per second, 15 inches. Inches, so 2.5 centimetres each time yes, for an inch. <laughs> exactly. So it's old-fashioned old imperial measurements. And 15 would be the highest quality broadcast output. So that would be if you were doing a really nice uh, feature programme, usually in stereo, you would use that. Seven and a half would be for most normal programmes. <laughs> Going backwards, going forwards. So that was a bit of radio technology. Thanks to RTHK's head engineer, C.W. Lang, telecommunications engineer, C.K. Chu, and broadcaster, Carolyn Wright. And thank you for listening. And join me next week for a bit more of a look back to mark the 95th anniversary of RTHK on Hong Kong Heritage. Mm -hmm.